Acts 26, please, beginning to read it in verse 1. You might think, should we not be reading around the tomb or even the cross this morning? Bear with me. This morning we want to look at Paul's case in the hope of resurrection. Acts 26, verse 1. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. Then Paul stretched forth the hand and answered for himself. I thank myself, I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. My manner of life from my youth, which was at the first among mine own nation at Jerusalem, knew all the Jews, which knew me from the beginning, if they would testify that after the most straightest sect of our religion I lived a Pharisee, and now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers, unto which promise our twelve tribes instantly serving God day and night hope to come. For which hope's sake, King Agrippa, I am accused of the Jews. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? I verily thought with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth, which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints, but I, did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests? And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. And I punished them oft in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme And they, and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even unto strange cities. Whereupon I went to Damascus with authority and commission from the chief priests. Let us pray. Father, thank you for the sense of your presence. Thank you that you're faithful to be here with us in our midst. And now we pray that you would speak to our hearts and help us to lift up and exalt, to elevate the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to teach your people this morning and to guide them through the scriptures. Bless those who are away. Bless those who are having the break, Lord, at this holiday season. And we pray you'd Lord, refresh them. And those who are sick and unable to be with us this morning, we pray that you would heal them in Jesus' name. And Father, we pray now that you would shut each and every one of us in with thine own good self to speak to us in our own hearts. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. The Apostle Paul is given leave by Agrippa. Agrippa is a king. And we'll look at Agrippa because it's very important to see the background in which Paul is speaking here. How difficult it must have been for Paul to give this testimony to Agrippa. Felix the governor is there, Drusilla is there, and 
among others, but Agrippa the king is now there and he has given Paul leave. Notice, he says, thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then it says in verse 1, then Paul stretched forth his hand and answered for himself. And if you think about this, brothers and sisters, it's your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and my relationship we will answer for ourselves before a greater king than Agrippa, before the king of kings and before the Lord of lords. And we will answer someday for the deeds done in the body. That is from being saved. That is, we will answer for how we served, how we served the Lord Jesus. How faithful were we in And not only how we served and how faithful we were, but how we went on with him. The apostle before Agrippa, Agrippa here is actually Agrippa II. And he was a a puppet king, if I can call it that, over some of the provinces that Rome had conquered, i.e. up around the northern territories of Israel. But take note of his background and his pedigree. He was an Edomite, a proselyte. So a proselyte is someone who has converted to Judaism. He was an Edomite, which meant he's from the line of Esau rather than the line of Jacob, the chosen line. The the great-grandson, pardon me, the great-grandfather of Agrippa in our reading was Herod who tried to kill the Lord Jesus and he slew all the babies under two years of age when he heard of his birth. That was his great-grandfather. And then there is his grandfather and his grandfather was uh, the one who beheaded John the Baptist Because he called out his sin, he beheaded John the Baptist. And his father was the one who slew James in Acts chapter 12 and threw Peter into prison in Acts chapter 12. This is his lineage. And now this king, Agrippa, he actually grew up in uh, in Rome, but he was an Edomite. If you want to know the sort of line of Edom and some of the offshoots of Edom, they were, they they go right back into the Old Testament of Jacob and Esau. Esau who gave away his birthright because he was a man of the flesh thinking he would die when Jacob had made the venison. Shows you, so he's a man who is carnal. He's a man who's off the flesh. He, He's not a man of the spirit and he's a man who does not want to know the true lineage or the birthright which God would hand him. He gave it away for a pot of soup or a bowl of stew or lentils, whatever it was. So this is the sort of line that this man, Agrippa, comes in in our reading. And then don't turn but mark it down. In Exodus 17, you have Amalek. And Amalek was of Esau. Between Esau and Edom, 
and of his mixed marriage with the Canaanites. Now you see the, the whole line coming down here. This is who this man's lineage was. And they hated Israel. They despised them. And in fact, in Exodus chapter 17, they waged war with Israel. And then in Exodus, uh, pardon me, in Deuteronomy 25, Moses commanded Israel to, that they were to blot out, completely wipe off the face of the earth, everyone from Amalek. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 15, Saul, the, the king of Israel, who was man's choice and not God's, he's told to, to wipe out every, every one of the, the line of Amalek and Agag, the Agagite was from Amalek. And he was the king of Amalek. And remember, Saul spared him and took of the cream of his flocks. And people would say, why was God so cruel to wipe these people out? Why would God allow this to happen? Or why would God command it to happen? Well, when we look at the scripture, we see the line where Herod coming from there tries to wipe out the Lord Jesus Christ. God's away ahead of us, brothers and sisters. He tries to take out, to kill and to murder the Lord Jesus Christ. Herod, the great son, as I said then, he cuts the head of the voice of one crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist. And then his son, he kills the apostle James. And he puts Peter in prison, later Peter dying. So now you see his son has Paul, this apostle taken from the Pharisees of the, the religion of the Jews. And, and here he is converted to Christ. And now the, the idea is to wipe out the extinction of Christ. Because Paul is speaking that Christ is risen from the dead. Can you see now God's wisdom? And you wouldn't have seen it away down the line. That's something we can rest in and rely on. When God does something, and when God gives us something to do, and it even seems strange to us, and we can't work it out, do it anyway. If God has said it, you do it anyway, because he knows what's ahead. Sometimes the Lord has saved you from dangers that has lay ahead. Do you know that? And you didn't even know. You never knew anything about it. Remember one time I was driving, I was down in the Whitewell Church and I was visiting in with Pastor McConnell and I came out of the car park on the shore road, it was along this way. As I'm driving out, I thought there was no cars coming, I went to go on round and down the road and at that point a car comes round, stops right in the driveway of the church and winds the window down. It was someone I knew and they spoke to me for roughly five seconds. Thumbs up and away, and away I went. And as I went down that road, by the time it would have taken me to drive from here to the car park, even closer than that actually, there out of a side road came flying a car right out, boom, right across the front of me. If I had been five seconds earlier, it would have been right into the side of me. Right into the side of me. 
And God's providence in all these things, he knows how to keep you, brother. In your problems and in your worries, your stresses, sister, he knows how to keep you. There's things that happen we don't understand, but we just have to trust. This man, uh, whom Paul is standing in front of, Agrippa, he is King Agrippa II. King Agrippa, as I said, was raised in Rome. He became friends with the Emperor of Rome, Claudius. And then later, listen, later he became friends with who? Titus. Now, if you're with me any length of time, you'll know exactly who Titus is, because I tell you. Titus becomes the emperor. But before that, Titus is the one who destroys Jerusalem in AD 70. And listen, Agrippa claims to be a Jew, but he's not a Jew. He's, that is a Judahite. He's in, from Esau. And he actually fights for Rome against them in history. You can read it up in your history books. He fights for Rome against them. But God away down the line says, if you extinguish this now, you'll not have this problem then. It's why God lays his finger on our hearts and and places things on our minds and tells us, and he challenges us to to get rid of things in our lives, to get rid of things in our hearts, to put the worldliness aside because somewhere down the line you don't know what God is saving you from. And in our stubbornness and in our rebellion, we don't do it. And when we don't do it, we look to see, well, where, God, are you in this? When we think the Lord says, here I was, and I told you here, but child, you don't understand what has meant the consequences down here. This man was friends with claiming he was a Jew. He was to the religion of the Jews, but he was an Edomite. He was not of the Jacob Israel lineage. It also meant that he had right to be the custodian of the temple's treasure. Isn't that handy, isn't it? He's the custodian of the temple's treasure. And it meant he was able to choose for himself who the high priest would be. Now God had already told Israel for the temple or for the tabernacle before that the high priest was to be a Levite from the lineage of Aaron's house. But these men were putting in who they wanted and not God's choice. It's not a problem today. Isn't that a problem today? Agrippa was well known to have debates and customs of the Jews. Uh, the tradition of the Jews and of the elders. He, he could debate all day on this. It's known that he, he would have sat with them and debated for hours. And this Agrippa, whom, whom Paul is in front of, Paul says in our reading in verse 3, I know thee to be expert 
in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. Paul's saying, look, I know you know these things. But take note of this, brothers and sisters. It wasn't the Torah in the sense of understanding the prophets and the books of Moses, the Tanakh. He may have knew them and he may have read them, but he couldn't see the Christ in them. And sometimes I wonder when men uh, who stand behind uh, the sacred desk here uh, and they have a sermon and there's no Christ in it, I, and they, they, they try and find Jesus in the Scriptures, I wonder, uh, are they led by the Spirit at all or are they placed there because it's maybe a man's choice? Because when I open the Scriptures from Genesis at the beginning to Revelation 22, I see Christ the whole way through it. It's not about getting Christ into the scripture. I find it would be impossible to keep Christ out of the scripture. Because he's the word of God. We sang it. He is the word of the father. He is the eternal one. And here we'll find... Agrippa knew the customs and the questions. And look at verse 27. Paul challenges him on his theological prowess. And he says, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. In other words, Paul's saying, you've read the prophets. I know you believe it. Do you really? And what the, what the, 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 the way it's written in the original text here is, Agrippa, you know the prophets, but do you really believe what you read? Listen, this is not a condemnation to anyone, so please don't take it like that. Let the Spirit work in our hearts. See when we read the Scriptures. We might know them, but do we really believe what we read? Do we really believe what we read? Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Almost thou persuadest me. That's a great gospel preaching text, isn't it? But I want to just take it a little different this morning. A little differently. Listen, brothers and sisters, why we are to persuade men, persuade women to come to Christ. Of course we are. You can't be forced into being a Christian. Neil on Friday night, down to my favorite, all-time favorite Indian restaurant. And this restaurant sort of just, it mars every other restaurant because it spoils you. I mean the taste of it. And on the way out, they know me from going in and out over the years. And the first time ever, this man, an Indian man, behind the counter, taking payment. And he says, he's looking at the bill and he's putting the bill and he says, Do you get drink? Did you get drink? Did you get drink? <laughs> and I said, you mean our hard Coke Zero? He goes, oh, no, no, it's here, it's here. I, he says, but did you get drink? I says, what other drinks? He says, did you get a drink on the house? Did you get a drink on the house? 
I said, no. Uh, I'll get you one. I said, no, 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 wait. I don't drink. I don't drink. And he says, he actually was shocked. Must have been like, well, I'm on and an Irishman not taking a drink or something. I don't know. And he steps back. He goes, you don't drink? I said, no. Why do you not, why do you not drink? I said, because I'm a Christian. And he goes, you're a Christian? I thought he was going to say, I'm a Muslim or something and tell him. And he says, I'm a Christian too. I says, are you? He says, yes, but I drink. I drink. He says, you must be a born again Christian. I says, I am indeed. I said, I was in the depths of despair with drink and drugs. And I'd lost everything I had. I said, and it was on Good Friday, as they call it, and he had mentioned this being Good Friday. And I says, listen, and the risen Christ of what you call Good Friday, I says, rescued me from it all. Saved me from it all. He said, ah, but I drink and then I don't drink for a while. And then I drink and then I don't drink for a while. But I'm a Christian. I says, are you? Are you really? He said, well, my parents in southern India brought me up in church. So I'm a Christian. He says, no, friend. I says, Jesus says, you must be born again. See, it's a wonder, do we really believe what we hear? Really believe what we read? Do we believe in the resurrection? Oh, yes, and everyone's, we put the Facebook posts up and everybody's, you know, he has risen. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying anything against that. Please don't think I am. That's fine. But if that's the depths of people's belief, they've missed the whole point. They've missed it. Christ being risen from the dead means Christ is alive in me. And in you. Which means every day, every day is the Lord's day. That's every day. Not just today. Every day is a resurrection day. I wonder if we really believe in God's punishment for the sinner. If we really believe in God's punishment for the sinner, then what does that tell us, brothers and sisters? Here's what it tells us. If we really believe it, we realize what that punishment would look like and how long that punishment would be. And here's what we would do. We would do everything in our power to live for him because every day is the Lord's day and reach our loved ones and everyone we speak with. Or maybe we just don't believe it enough. Do we believe it more than, and I'm not saying this against all those who like football, so you like football, that's up to you. I don't watch football, but if you like it, I'm, I promise you I'm not. But I, I, I couldn't even have told you who was playing yesterday, and people were talking about Liverpool. 
and they were playing. Was it Man City? Now listen, that's I don't know. Rangers were playing during the week and I couldn't even tell you who they were playing. I've no idea about it. So here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying against anyone. Like, please don't get me wrong. But I seen the news last uh, Saturday. When was that Liverpool match? I don't even know what day it was. Yesterday. Last night, I turned on the news. And they says that in spite of the trains, in spite of the, 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 the road network to try and get in, whatever problems there were, there were thousands and thousands and thousands came from Liverpool to London to watch men kick a ball of air. I think about this. And yet we come before the King of Kings. We come to meet with him. And the church is sleeping and dying on its feet. So do we really believe what we say we believe? Do we really? Because if we did, not just you, I'm talking about all of the church talking about it universally the blood washed if we did there would be a difference in our nation and in our land so this man almost he says Agrippa says almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian and if you go to John chapter 10 I want to show you something here John chapter 10 let us not forget while you're turning here Jeff mentioned him this morning around the table who betrayed the Lord Jesus, Judas Iscariot. As many believe that he was of an Edomite line, you might say, what? And he was with the apostles and he was following Christ. But notice here, John 10, verse 26, the Lord Jesus says to the Jews there, But you believe not because you are not of my sheep. Now, I want you to listen here. Because this is going to be something, this is going to be a knot for people to swallow. A K-N-A-T knot. You believe not because you're not my sheep. He didn't say you're not my sheep because you don't believe. He didn't say that. He didn't say you're not my sheep because you don't believe. He didn't. He says you don't believe because you're not my sheep. speaks of election isn't that a hard one to swallow verse 27 then he says my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me verse 28 and I give unto them not everyone I give unto my sheep eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my father's hand. Then he says, my father is greater than I, and then shall pluck them out of my father's hand. So Agrippa wasn't a sheep. And so he couldn't believe. Agrippa was almost, but not altogether. 
Agrippa was an almost but not altogether like Isaac and Rebekah had Jacob and Esau. Genesis 25 and 28, it tells us Isaac loved Esau. Rebekah loved Jacob. <laughs> Here the wife is more in tune the household than her husband was who was meant to be leading the household. Listen to Malachi chapter 1 verses 2 and 3. Listen to what the Lord says. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Notice, was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, yet I loved Jacob. Verse 3, and I hated Esau. God loves everybody, people say. It's a hard one to swallow, isn't it? That's the scripture. That's not me. That's the scripture. And then Paul mentions in Romans 9 and 13, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but he Esau have I hated. Look how closely one can be such as Esau, a brother of Jacob, loved son of Rebekah, offered and held the birthright. And he got so close, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Like Judas Iscariot kissed the cheek of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And says he went to his own place. He is the only man except for the man mentioned in First Thessalonians where it tells us of the son of perdition. Son of destruction. Jesus says, have I not chosen you all and one of you is a devil? Jesus knew who he was. It wasn't he was good and then turned bad. Jesus knew he was a diabolos, is the word for devil. He was a slanderer. He would betray Christ. He was off a different line. And Jesus knew it. He was chosen for as a particular vessel for a particular cause. Jesus says, I know you all, and he's a devil. Do you know Jesus knows when the devil comes into church? I better hurry up, because time's gone. Paul appeals to Agrippa's religious knowledge, but Paul is bound for Rome under Nero. And listen, Nero was even worse. And there Paul would have his head eventually cut off in Rome. In Acts 26, verses 4 and 5, Paul was well known as a faithful religious Jew. He was a Pharisee. He was known among his peers and among the other Jews. And the Pharisees believed and taught the resurrection of the dead. But not in Christ, obviously. But they believed in a resurrection. I'll, I'll, do, I'll do a study sometime for you. The difference between the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The, the Sadducees believed in... Um, sorry, the Pharisees believed in oral tradition. Um, and they, they lent more into what was known as the Mishnah. Which was the, the rabbis... Um, the rabbi's thoughts, which took it, another rabbi took his thoughts, and another rabbi took his thoughts, and added to it, and detracted from it. And that's why Jesus said, 
You're off your father, the devil. They weren't going by the scripture. And the scripture they were, they were laying it upon people that they couldn't keep themselves. And Paul came from this sect. And what happened? The Lord saved them. Paul was off the tribe of Benjamin. Paul tells us of his persecution in verses 9 to 12. Notice what he says. I verily thought within myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Which thing I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints did I shut up in prison having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them and I punished them off in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme. And every and being exceedingly mad against them, I persecuted them even on two strange cities. And Paul is saying, see the church, I was the worst one for the church. That's why God... The Lord, he, he reaches those who you never think could be saved. He reaches those who you think, this son, this daughter, this wayward one, or that man, that woman, that alcoholic, that drug addict, that, that one and all sorts of immorality and sin. And you think, God, how would you ever reach someone like that? Paul says, that was me. He says, that was me. He calls himself the chiefest of sinners. I keep calling myself that. That's who I was. And in verse 13 to 23, we can't read it for time's sake. He speaks of his conversion to Christ. But look what he says just in verse 17. Deliver thee from the people and from the Gentiles of the nations to whom now I send thee. Why? To open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light from the power or the authority of Satan, the authority of God. Are you saved this morning? If you're saved, you should be under the authority of God. In other words, every day is the Lord's day and God rules your life because you are bought with a price. You're not your own part of Satan on the and Paul is saying here that God sent them that he might deliver them from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins, inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith. That is in me, that is in God, in Christ. Notice what he says, do you believe the prophets? I know you believe the prophets. So in verse 8, the text is this. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ here. So that's the type of man that Paul's standing before. That's the type of man we read about Paul, who he was, and God saved him. And we see the difference here on in the almost but not all together. And we see the all together, not an almost. Agrippa was almost persuaded You you, you can't force someone to be saved. They must be birthed from above. They must be born again. Agrippa was an almost, but not altogether. But Paul was an altogether, and not an almost. And he says, why is it an incredible thing to you, Agrippa? Because if you say you believe in the prophets and you know the customs and the questions and all of these things, you even know the rabbinical teachings. 
Rabbinical Judaism came after, uh, was coming into force through the Pharisees, and it held sway for years. You see, John Hyrcanus was a, 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 he was a warrior priest, if you want to put it that way. Uh, and in the, the middle years between Malachi and Matthew, those years, you have the wars of the Jews and the Maccabees and so on, and the Hasmonean Empire and dynasty came from there. And there was the Edomites, or Idumea they're called, or, or C-R-S-E-I-R sometimes. They're all from Esau. And what happened was John Hyrcanus went with a, a Jewish army and he defeated them. He defeated them. And when he defeated them, he forced them all to convert to Judaism. Forced conversion. And so there was, I don't know how many were there. Was there thousands upon thousands of thousands of Edomites who then says, we will turn to Judaism to spare their lives. Then their children came and their children came and it went right in to the Jewish religion. And Jesus comes along and he says, see what you are? You're off your father, the devil. Now, if you believe in the resurrection, do you really believe in the resurrection, he says? And, and here, he says, why should it be thought a thing incredible? The word incredible is the word apistos. It means, why, why are you faithless and unbelieving, distrustful and unfaithful about this? And brothers and sisters, if you and I believe that Jesus died and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day, why is it sometimes if if we really believe that God raised the dead as in Christ, if we truly, honestly sit down and think within ourselves, is it too incredible? Do we become faithless and unbelieving that God raised Jesus from the dead? We can pay lip service. So we, can, we can pay lip service. What about the, the homage of the heart? Do we really believe it? Because if we did, we'd be different. I've searched myself even coming up the road in the car today. Starts my heart and I said, Lord, help thy mine unbelief. I believe it, but I can say it. But what when it comes to it? What about when we say Jesus still heals the sick? Is it because we don't believe it that we don't see it the way we used to? Is it because we, what about when Jesus saves a sinner? Is it because we don't really believe it? We don't, we don't believe it the way we used to? What is it whenever we say that you know people are will go to a lost eternity and, and into a lake of fire? Uh, is it because we don't really believe it? Because we don't want to? Because if we believed all of these tenets of faith, you know what would happen? We would have revival in us. It would change the church. It would change your life. It would change your home. It would change all of us. It would change our nation. you go home I'm going to give you some scriptures you can read them on the resurrection read 1 Corinthians 15 read 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and even into the chapter 5 verses 9 and 10 read them but especially 1 Corinthians 15 Paul gives us a masterpiece I mean a real masterpiece 
you know there's a lot of Christians who are now denying the letters of Paul because they say he infiltrated the church and that really he was always a Pharisee? So there's a movement that has been going on for years, but it's growing now to throw out the Pauline letters because they're saying, listen, this man, the Apostle Paul, this man, if let me put it like this. The Lord gave Paul the commentary on what he had already gave other apostles. The Lord gave Paul, that's all we read, the revelation of the breaking of bread. Jesus instituted it. That's all we read. But Paul came and says, this is how we do it. The Lord gave Paul the revelation on the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Spirit. The Lord gave Paul all of these things for the church. The Lord gave it all tongues, interpretation, tongues, words of knowledge and words of wisdom and and prophecy, and, and he, he, he's the one who gives us the, the, the whole opening up of the revelation of this. So Paul comes and he says, and this is what he's saying. Remember the man he's standing before as we close this. He's saying this to Agrippa. He's saying this to King Agrippa. This man of an Edomite line, this man whose family has tried to destroy everything to do with Israel and to do with Christ. His whole family line. And now Paul is standing before him. And he says, why should it be thought a thing incredible with you? Agrippa, are you being faithless? He tells him of Christ. And he tells him that he's come to deliver them from the power of Satan under God. You know what he's saying to Agrippa and his Judaism? You're under the power of Satan because you deny and reject the Christ, the Son of God. It's Antichrist. And Paul is saying, I know you believe the prophets. I know you know all the customs. You're an expert in it in the questions. I know it all. That's the sort of man he's standing before. Maybe you and I would have got on our knees and went, listen, I'm really sorry for what was said. Please have mercy on me. Paul says, no, the Lord has sent me to do a job. He's given me a commission. And it's to exalt the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you going to be faithless? To do with the resurrection of the dead. And hence he says. Paul thou almost persuadest me. Felix. He calls Paul and he says. Too much learning's made you mad. See, you Christians, too much learning about this Jesus has made you mad. So do we really believe it, brothers and sisters? Or does the world come first? Does our loves come first? Does our will and our wants come first? And our luxuries or our comforts come first? Or someone or something else come first? Do we really believe it that this Jesus that we read about in the scriptures, who's alive in our being, do we really, fully, honestly, totally and uniquely, completely and utterly believe that he is alive? Brothers and sisters, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Tim, would you come up, please?